It's hella black, baby. You feel me? We all the way tapped in, locked in, rocking that pure black shit. You feel me? Pure black. That organic black. You feel me? That non sellout black. That revolutionary black. That non GMO black, nigga. That you feel me? Whole foods organic black. Nah, fuck whole foods. Fuck all that capitalist shit. You know, but you know, fruit was good. Organic fruit, organic mangoes. I had a really great <laughs> organic mango. <laughs> the black episode is this forty four? Uh, yeah. Oh, this 44. is really black history because wasn't Obama our forty fourth president? <laughs> nigga, let's go, nigga. This is a black history. Hella black oh, episode. 44. It's forty four, but I don't even know when we finna drop this because we got the live podcast. We'll probably drop this after the live podcast, wow. so it might be forty five. Ah, fuck Trump, but oh, fuck Obama, wow. fuck all them. Do me like fuck that. Wow. It's only right. Yeah, we heard you voted for him. What? Oh, hold, hold, hold. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Who? I'm sorry. Who? <laughs> Shit, we just fucking. Okay. <laughs> I don't know if y'all recognize the voice or not. We have a very, very, very special guest on today's episode of Hello Black Podcast. One of my favorite people in the world, Anthony's. And this is real because we've been trying to get Ant on for for forever, forever. But we've known Ant for like hell long too. Organize the whole nine yards. You feel me? Yeah. So it's it's real. It's a good moment right now. And I feel excited. like we've had Aunt and Khadijah hella black in tomorrow, and I'll be all right. Like we've had two very important people in terms, at least for like for me, when I think about like shaping my politics, we've had two of the most important people um, who have helped shape and mold me on the podcast, and I can die tomorrow knowing that hella black no longer exists with Delincey on it. But we got. You gonna live tomorrow Aunt And Khadija on there So I'm juiced And what's happening Y'all are Y'all are too kind Um It's funny Because we've been trying to get We've been trying to get me on And so I'm like At one point I was like These niggas don't really want me on <laughs> I was like Cause yeah, it's not happening disrespectful Although, Don't say nice shit No No I know But I knew it was, The thing is As we were talking about prior to recording like it's my schedule like the life of a phd student is like there's a lot of flexibility but the, it's also just like ridiculous like it doesn't even make sense and then i do too much and so i add to it so um i i take the responsibility for the scheduling i do yeah me and delinsey was about to really just buy some southwest and pull up on you and find you just walk around ucla campus like have you seen anthony's <laughs> like yeah and they know i be in la frequent i feel like when we talk i tell them like oh i'm in la we should link up but it's not just the te- it's not just ant schedule that has made things difficult. It's all three of us just having so much fucking shit going on. Yeah, I think people. Think well, I mean, like y'all getting record. y'all getting profiled by Playboy and shit. I was like, Relax. oh, Relax. oh, Relax. It was something. I like. know these people. Oh my, oh my! I got very excited. It was dope. That was a, that was a really good feature, especially because Taylor did it, and you know she did it right. Um, so it was beautiful. Yeah, appreciate that, fam. You know, we just we just trying. I'm trying to make it shake, make it come together like butt cheeks. <laughs> well, I guess that's one way to do it. <laughs> but nah, we're 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 um we're super happy to have you on the pod. Um, it's like we've all said, it's been a long time coming. So you know, we can finally check this off the hella black bucket list. We got Ant. Yeah, I'm just sitting here in this moment. Like, where do we go from this? Oh yeah, we have an episode to do. But you feel me? We're very excited. Very happy to have you, you know. So do you want to uh, just tell us a little bit more about what you do? I know you're an organizer. You do some organizing work, activism, you know, scholar. Shit, we did research writer. together and Ooh. shit, you feel me? You used to edit some yeah. of my writing and yeah. shit. Like, we really, yeah. Talents, I'm telling you. Yeah, They've like, edited some of my writing. Twitter. I'm telling you. Come on. You feel me? Just 
you know, he be in the tweets, in the streets, in the books. You feel me? I do a lot. Um, I've done a lot. And sometimes I think about it when I'm teaching. Like, my students... I think about how I thought about my TAs um, and and how I didn't really think about their interior life and what they'd be doing and what they'd be thinking. And I think about how much I've done that my students probably just, some some care about, but a lot don't give a fuck about, um, which is okay, right? Because like you, often you're here at UCLA or UC Berkeley or whatever to get your degree and dip. Um, but sometimes I'm like, I can't help you actually. Like if you, if you come to my office hours, because students don't want to come, right? If you come to my office hours, I can actually talk to you about some stuff. But um, on that note, so currently I'm a PhD student. I'm in my second year at UCLA in the sociology PhD program, um, which is a mess. But I'm here and I, I'm glad that I'm here. Like, I'm glad that I chose the program I chose. Um, I'm glad that I chose grad school. But every day I also wonder why I chose it. Um, and we can get into that. But uh, I also write. Um, I write a lot. Uh, it's it's actually slowed down in grad school just because I've been so busy doing all this. Um, I live in Los Angeles and I don't like it. Um, <laughs> it, is not, it is not for me. Um, it's a cute place to visit, but it, I don't love living here. Um, I, I was organizing in Oakland. Um, I haven't been here in LA, which has been like a very weird experience. It feels like I'm very disconnected from the community. Um, and a lot of the times I, I was like, how do I even get connected? Like I have black folks on campus, but that means like all my black folks are almost all PhD students, right? Or undergrads here. And so like, how do you get off the campus? And it's not like I could just show up in like, you know what I mean? Like South LA, Southgate and be like, what's up? Like, you know, like it doesn't work like that um, in the same way that I think it can work in Oakland sometimes and in the Bay. Um, yeah, I do hella shit. I used to act, I used to direct um, specifically for the the stage, although I did film and some like online TV too. Um, but it's different now. I'm, I mostly, I write, um, I'm a dog parent uh, to Apple, uh, eight-year-old pitbull, <laughs> pitbull terrier with a lot of spunk. Um, you might hear her because she, she does the most. She likes to grunt. Uh, usually those are ha happy grunts, but that's, that's me. Um, I, and I try to sleep sometimes because that doesn't always happen. Um, that's yeah, that's me. That's that's who I is. Yeah, I've 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 found it difficult um, when you have people such as yourself uh, like trying to, I guess, describe and introduce them. I don't know what you know. I feel like when I was thinking about okay, how could we fucking? And I think in the outline that I sent you, I'm like, okay, writer, PhD candidate, organizer. Like, I don't want to. I don't even know what else to put because I know that I know that they do so much other stuff. But I think you just did a really good job of you know introducing yourself better than I could have did on some for real shit. Yeah, you should for sure Thank transcribe you. that. You feel me? Save that and put it <laughs> put it in your bio. That's a bio instantly. I'm telling you, I fuck with um, that. Also, I also mentor. I mentor undergraduate students, um, and I also uh, I teach as a as a graduate student instructor. Um, so those are two, and I'll be tweeting. I tweet too much. Um, so those are three things I forgot. I'm like B. Don't you hate when people ask you to like introduce yourself, or don't you find like not necessarily hate, awkward. but yeah, I'm like I don't want to like, reduce wanna... myself to something, and I don't want to oversell myself. Yeah, mm -hmm. I'm gonna just I'm that nigga. And just leave that back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you don't know who I am? Like, don't crack, motherfucker. Now this nigga is nuts. <laughs> Get your hands. You see, the wind is blowing today. That's for sure. But, um, that's fine if if Blake's that nigga then I'm y'all don't read you know if we have to be a tagline you know um, 
it's hard it's hard to argue with y'all don't read you know and i'll be that i will embody that facts so yeah me and me and b had a conversation um like oh a couple days ago we were trying to figure out for pride month i guess like what was going uh, i was kind of somebody had asked me like what are our what are what are blake and i's plans for like pride month like how are we how do we plan on like showing solidarity um which i think we actively try to do all the time right not just it's an everyday thing yeah right but i think um with this shining light on pride we were trying to figure out what is something that we can do um to like show our solidarity and show our support and we were thinking like all the time we definitely want to use um this month to like amplify queer voices and you know that's we're hoping uh, we're not hoping but we're gonna gonna have more guests on more folks that identify as queer on the podcast this month and um i think this is kind of like a a dope situation for our first time have you on the podcast is also you know um us like trying to like i said be better allies and like amplify queer voices during pride month so yeah, that's, what we're, that's what we're hoping to do with this month yeah i appreciate y'all having me because i mean we've all had conversations about this a lot because when we were organizing and writing together and editing and all that those are conversations that were not happening within the organization we were in mm-hmm. um and that was or were happening but then we're silencing um to queer and or trans folks and women um and and it's wild because you know there's the idea that when you're depending on who you are, right? It's like this black first idea, right? Like mm-hmm. you're black first and then your queerness or your transness, or in my case, my non-binary identity comes second, right? Um, and then you're in queer spaces and then it's like, they're not necessarily demanding that you're queer first, but that's the expectation, right? And then they're mad anti-black. And so it's like, where the fuck do you go where you can actually be like, you know what I mean? Like black and queer. Like that was a piece I wrote a few years ago, actually. It was like, where do we get to be black and queer? Cause it was, it's just some fuck shit. Like literally that's my life all the time. Um, because what ends up happening is you have cishet friends, right? Like, and it's, and then ultimately, uh, they disappoint you. Right. And it's like, this is not cool. Right. And how do you, how do you live a life where you're embracing like black community all the time? Right. Like I work with incarcerated youth and they'd be saying some homophobic ass shit. So how do I like call them on it without blaming them for the systems that taught them to be homophobic, right. Or transphobic or misogynistic. So it's like always like a process of figuring that out. Um, so I'm glad like y'all, y'all have been like really transparent in terms of like your politics and in terms of pride month and in terms of like how you've grown i think which is super important because it's hard for people to see and i even just remember this is sidebar but i remember the other day delincey tweeted about having like going to his first therapy uh session and like there's like a way in which like that tweet whether somebody liked it or retweeted it like has a lot of meaning um and a lot more than a tweet for black men especially cishet black men to then see that this man that they respect um and sometimes you know know or don't know like went to therapy you know so like shit like that matters um and and i appreciate y'all doing what you do thank you for teaching us for real yeah like i, I was when you were talking about um like working with the incarcerated youth and i guess like having to find that that i don't know if balance is what i'm looking for but it sounds like um you know like having to like i guess like falling victim to their like super homophobic ways which you know they're kids for one and they're like products of the system products of society so like trying to help them through that and having to deal with that you know deal with those emotions that sounds like hella fucking labor um and i can only imagine what that shit is like i mean me and blake were having a conversation about that earlier when i was talking about like trying to hold my cousins and friends accountable and like not trying to i guess like i don't want to victimize them but i also don't want to blame them you know i guess because it's like they're really just products of fucking 
their environment, but that shit is tiresome as hell. Yeah. That's the way to I mean, honestly, that's the the way to phrase it. It's tiresome as hell. Because like if your if your goal is to really love black people, right? Um, and if that's a praxis, right? Like that's really what you be doing on the daily, rather than just like something you say or a t-shirt you wear or like, you know, some bullshit like that. Like which is a journey like a lot of us are going through if that's your goal is like to love and to uplift black people then it's like how do you do that and also recognize the humanity and like i quite i haven't quite figured it out in terms of like individual cases um because even even with the young men inside like i've worked with some men who are like more open to being like um kind of guided or like uh mentored in those ways but like there's a way that hypermasculinity and incarceration go together right and a lot of that hypermasculinity that we get taught then also leads to acts that get people incarcerated right um by this like fucked up ass system so it's it's rough um because with these boys like with my last set um i we would like we talked about these things more openly with this set it's been like a very slow process um so we'll ask them questions right because if you just straight up say like that's homophobic they're like nigga and you know what i mean like and so it's not as simple as like oh, i'm gonna cancel this person it's like nah like that's somebody who the system has already canceled some of their family members have already canceled you know what i mean like in a real way not like oh i'm canceling this person in my head like they've really yeah. not supported them you know so it's the shit's hard and the shit is tiring um entire self like you said so in some ways you kind of have to like work against cancel culture is that what, what you're kind of talking about in a little way a little bit yeah yeah and the thing about cancel culture you know is like you see it online but cancel culture and it usually doesn't work um so like i do think the conversations on cancel culture are, are interesting because people have been talking about canceling r kelly for years right for ye for literally over a decade and people you know what i mean and when i say people i mean black people still play r kelly and step in the name of love right even after um, the whole documentary and even after all the news we've heard, you know, so like this cancel culture is like he's still getting streams, you know, what I mean, like he still makes his money. And so there's a way in which we talk about cancel culture um, and it can be mad toxic of like, oh, this person, you know, like they find out that Delinsky said fag 10 years ago and all of a sudden Delinsky's canceled like that in a in a smaller social circle that could matter right like that could really matter because you can really cancel somebody and be like delincey is a toxic ass cishet man da, 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 right um and this is a i'm making this up um just to be clear but like you could do that right mm -hmm. and there's a there's a way that that has a material impact with like celebrities and with other people that's when i see like it doesn't actually usually happen it, it doesn't it doesn't work like that um yeah. but i I think you can't we if we if we apply that celebrity cancel mindset to people in our lives to black people it's like then y'all wouldn't be doing like people's breakfast right because yeah i feel like that's hella detrimental exactly it's hella detrimental because then you're like judging somebody because they're houseless and you're giving them food or you're giving them money and you don't know what they're going to do with the money quote unquote and it's like it doesn't it doesn't matter what they're doing with the money you know like what i mean if, like you like, said if you're doing it in the name of black love and black liberation yeah, exactly. So, but it's it's complicated for people, right? And and it's and it's hard for people to to recognize each other's full humanity, which is why you still have, which is why you still have black people who can be like, I love black people, and and they say that, and in their head, that does not include black trans people, that does not include black queer people, right? Um, and and it's fucked up, but that's actually pretty normal within you know what I mean um, our world, not even just within the United States, like within the globe. Yeah, facts. What I what I've been seeing is, yeah, like we we talked. You kind of like talked about it earlier. I like, I think um, a lot of 
I'm gonna say I think people in Germany I'm gonna say black folks like that's who we tailor our content to and that's who I spend most of my time with. That's what I identify as, right? I think that we um a lot of black folks, you know, often wanna put like black skin first and not wanna think about all the other things that like I guess like make up a person, right? We see that all the time. It's like black folks not wanna considering all the other identities that honestly make up our blackness. Yeah, it's like we're all black. Let's just get around, get along. <laughs> like black first. Yeah. Me, but that just does not. And even a lot of the people who say, "Oh, I'm black first, they be like, "Oh, I'm a man though." Like, you know, yep. it's, it's in that same like, "Oh, okay." Like but all you the black first. All the identities only work when it's beneficial for men. Right. <laughs> like all the other shit only matters. Straight men. When it's beneficial for straight men. Yeah. Like cishet men. It only that that's the only time that you can have multiple, you know, identities. And it'd be well, okay. I'm a black man who loves football. That's all right. I'm Raider Nation. <laughs> Feel me? But anytime it comes to, you know, uh, honoring and respecting all the different other aspects of black folks, all the other different identities, you know, it's not just okay. even how like systems of oppression work to oppress people or oppress people in the black community. You know, it's like we're not all, yeah, we're all black, but we all experience the world a lot different. You feel me? And blackness does bring us together, but there's also these other systems work and oppress people differently. You feel me? Like and that's where privilege comes into it, which you already know, of course, right? But and if you challenge people on like actually like if you're saying that black sex workers do not matter, if you're saying that black incarcerated people do not matter, if you're saying that black like if you challenge people, they're like, well, no, nah, that that that's not part of it. You know what I mean? It's like so then what? Like tell me specifically who are you thinking about, right? And people will not usually be real, um, but if they're being real, it's exactly what we've been saying. It's like cisgender heterosexual black men and actually we didn't even mention disability it's usually able-bodied and able-minded right facts men like because if you're disabled like that's the thing about you see somebody on the street and if you think that they're homeless if you think that they're quote-unquote crazy right the way that you move around them is way different than the way that you move around anybody else you know Um, and so it's just it's wild like and it's a trip because like i didn't always none of us always thought like this right and Mm -hmm. a lot of what happens is you have to be willing to be open and and learning to growing learning and growing um but the difficulty is I find so many people just aren't willing and it's like, damn, like, and what I spent a lot of my time doing when I was younger, especially was trying to argue with people who, it was like, is that that image of the person arguing with the brick wall, right? It's <laughs> uh, like, not funny, like, but I don't know why. No, but it is, it is funny because like, the thing is like, when you realize how much time, or rather in my case, when I realized how much time I've, I've dedicated in my life to arguing with brick walls, right? Black and non-black, right? Like, so when I was younger, a lot of them brick walls were white people, right? As I got older, it became bigoted black people. Um, and sometimes it's just like, it's not worth it. And other, and, and sometimes, so Delincey and Blake, sometimes I'm just so fucking tired. It's like, I'm I'm actually, I don't drink very much, but it's like, I'm going to just be at this party, let you say your homophobic shit, drink this uh, Hennessy, you know what I mean? And be good because sometimes I do not have the time or the energy to like go through it with you. And I'm just like, I'm done, you know? So either that shit I can- is so draining. Yeah, so draining. Retreat, you could retreat from the world, which I've done and I will continue to do sometimes, or you could just like be in it and surround yourself with love. And then the times that you're not surrounded with the love is like, how do you survive? Right. And sometimes how you survive is, is like, you'd be like, pass me the bottle. You yeah. know what I mean? 
um, which I'm laughing about, but that that's even a whole nother thing in terms of like sometimes then Coping. there becomes dependency yeah. on, yeah, there's an over-dependency on things like alcohol or drugs to get us through or, you know what I mean, other things that can be fine in moderation, but if that's what you're doing, if you're self-medicating so much to get yourself through the world, you know what I mean, it's like, fuck, why? And it's not even on you. There are systems that are pushing us toward these outcomes, right? Including like thoughts of suicide, right? Including depression and mental health, like including anxiety, all the shit that I deal with and that I have family and friends who deal with, you know? So it's like fucked because it's like, how do you, it's like, can I live? Really? That's that's what I'm trying to say. And like, all that shit plays a role in how you can I, show up. Exactly. Exactly. Like you, you made the point, um, I guess around like, you know, like being at a party and having to, you know, basically pick and choose as if you're going to defend your humanity tonight. You know what I'm saying? Like, do I have the fucking the strength to defend, to essentially, essentially def- like the bandwidth the bandwidth to defend my humanity, right? And me and Blake were talking before we got on the phone with you about like allyship and how, nigga, like I think people like to glorify allyship. Of course, it's nowhere as hard as like living the lives of the people that you claim to be supporting. But even like I think about like constantly having to check my friends and family, nigga, that shit is tiring. But I know it's not any can't even imagine what that it's is. It's like. nowhere as tiring as like at any point in time I can disconnect and chew you know, and not have to suffer, you know, the consequences of living as the folks that I'm trying to uplift, you know, or trying to support. Mm-hmm. And even like mm-hmm. I, that shit is like literally like like me and Blake have times we're talking to each other where we're just like literally depleted, fam. And at any given time we can like step outside and damn near like step into our privilege, you know what I'm saying? And like mm-hmm. be protected by the cishet our, our cishet identity you know what i'm saying and like yeah lgbtq folks black women they don't have that privilege to do that you feel what i'm saying <laughs> like mm-hmm. and it's like it's just some shit because then you know like th- those categories overlap too because imagine you don't even have to imagine there are black queer women yeah. there are black trans women there are you know what i mean um black asexual people right um and all this shit and it's like delinci and i and blake and i actually um for folks who don't know we've all facilitated workshops together um and written together and so like doing those workshops it's been great because a lot of times you're in a more supportive space but it's wild because like often that's more um it's more either college educated folks right so they already have a certain idea of how to think about the world right or it's folks of a certain privilege like a certain economic status that we often don't embody ourselves but we're educating those people right like Mm -hmm. of a higher socioeconomic status so it's like what happens when you really get on the ground right and so like when i was organizing in east oakland like that was something i had to deal with like in my organization and outside of my organization when I was just organizing, when I'm literally knocking on doors in East Oakland to talk to people, right? Um, and generally the way that the way that people receive me is as more masculine, like I'm small and and I, I'm read as more masculine, I'm read as male, definitely. Um, but, I, well, so <laughs> I, I laugh because more masculine in comparison to other queer people, right? Um, mm-hmm. Like, it's not like I'm read as like hella masculine, but then some people will question my sexuality, but it's not enough to be like, oh, he's a faggot, right? Like that usually is not what I'm dealing with. Um, but so I even have like the privilege, quote unquote, right? Of not being perceived as queer. Um, and so that gives me, like that's how I was even able to do the work. Because if I went out and I my voice was a little bit more high pitched, I had a little bit more of a switch or I presented my gender in a different way, right? I'm non-binary, but most people are just gonna look at me and be like, that's a man, right? Because mm-hmm. um, I'm not painting my nails because 
I have a beard because I am where I'm not wearing things that are seen as traditionally feminine. And so organized in Oakland, I was able to do because of those privileges. And I also was able to see like people will tell me shit like, you know, what I mean, it's like if, if somebody's um black folks who pass, right? Not, less so nowadays, but before, um, if you pass, right? Or if you're like so so mixed in, in certain ways that people, you're so racially ambiguous, people say anti-black as shit to you because they don't know you're black, right? Mm-hmm. But it's like the three of us, like people know we're black, so they won't say that. And it's similar, like people don't always know I'm queer or they, they, they yeah, that's the best way to put it. They don't always know. And so then they'll say, out of pocket as shit. And so it, it, the question is, do I have the bandwidth, right? And usually I'm like, you know what? <laughs> it, it, not usually. Often I'm like, it's not worth it. You know what I mean? You never it, know it what takes, that shit's gonna lead to. Yeah, because it could literally be violent. It could right? be dangerous, like, my nigga. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it could literally be dangerous. I've gotten to fights over shit like that, bro. Like sticking up for somebody. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, like that shit. It can put you in, put you in danger. It can literally put you in danger. Stick up for humanity. Yeah. That's, Exactly. And so that's why, like, one of the things that I try to do as, like, somebody who has some visibility online, at least, you know what I mean, is, like, retweet um, and engage with and support, like, monetarily, like, voices that are not mine, right? Um, And specifically Black trans women, uh, trans women of color, other non-binary folks, right? Like, because if I, because the thing, too, is, like, just the LGBTQ thing is so funny and sad because, like, lesbian, bisexual, gay, transgender, queer, and then it continues to go on, those identities do not always overlap. And many of the times that the lesbian, gay, and bisexual are not trans friendly, right? And in fact, are anti-trans. Um, and so it's like, it's, it's some shit, because you see it with black people, it's like, you are shit on because of your race, right? And then you gonna go be shitty to somebody because they're queer. And then you see with queer people, you are shit on because of your queerness, right? And then you're gonna go be shitty to somebody because of their gender. It's like, what the fuck is our problem? You know? That, that makes zero sense to me. Exactly, but we do it. Like, <laughs> as humans, we do it. Like, and it's, it's some shit everything. because you find, you'll find, like, gay, especially gay cis men, um, often gay cis white men, but not including, not only them, right, who are talking shit about pussy, for example. Like, you know what I mean? Like, ugh, vagina. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, actually, some men have a vagina, and even if some men didn't have a vagina, what the fuck is wrong with the vagina, right? Like, what, like let's, and it's wild that that's even a conversation you have to have um, and that people can be so immature and people can be so self-centered and so hateful, you know? It's like, what I really is people don't actually hate bigotry they just hate bigotry that's aimed at them that's what that's it comes it. down to like, just want, like a white supremacy or like a yeah like niggas, if everything is cool for them we just want a transference of power yeah. like we just want the power to be transferred that's what like a lot of that's what i finally like realized with a lot of folks who you know often do fall victim to like oppression it's mm-hmm. like they don't want all of oppression to end they just want oppre- their oppression to end yeah. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they even want to uphold. It's not even just like, oh, I'm not going to fight that oppression. Sometimes, it's like, actually, I want to hold this up as a pillar. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I'm, I'm actually going to support, like, uh, I was just listening to the read and they were talking about, like, Alabama and how people were pissed off about the abortion ban, and rightfully so. But then some of those same people are like, well, I don't want to see a, car- a kid's cartoon where. Arthur's teacher is getting married to a man, right? Like they're they're both animals, so it's, it's it's even ridiculous. But like they like took it off the air in Alabama, if I remember it correctly. So it's like wow, because you could be quote unquote progressive on on one issue, right? If you want to call it that, or more left leaning, right? Mm-hmm. But then on some other issue, you're hella right leaning, right? And that's what it is with a lot of um, all of us which includes black folks like black folks there's a myth that black folks are more homophobic or trans antagonistic and i don't actually think that that's true um i think it shows up in different ways and we have less material resources right so if i i didn't get kicked out of my house when i got when i 
when I got kicked out of the closet, actually, that's a that's a story I'm not going to get into. But when when my family like confronted me about it, I didn't get kicked out the house, but I was basically put on house arrest. Right. Um, so I had the resources to like my family kept me there. But often what happens with black families and it does happen with white families, too, is like you might get kicked the fuck out. And that's why a lot of trans folks um, before they're even at the age of consent are considering sex work as a survival mechanism. Right. Um, and not even considering it, doing it because they have to because they can't get a job um and because they don't have their family so like janet mock writes about it actually in her book um not getting kicked out necessarily but how she got involved in sex work in her first book um and how normal of a path that is for trans women of color and how the the i could never i could never find the source for the statistic but like that's the scholar in me being like i have to find it um but i couldn't find it but there's the the quote or the phrase that people say trans women of color the average life expectancy is 35 years old and like whether that's like a true statistic whether, whether that comes from surveys doesn't really matter what matters is the fact that if you think about how many trans women elders we have um trans men elders as well right um but specifically trans women because they're targeted in a specific way it's like very few and far between right and so like stonewall we talk about we talk about miss griffin we talk about all these other people but the reality is, is there's there's like a handful um, mm -hmm. of visible trans queer um, trans and or queer elders. And that's that's the shit that really gets you too. you know, what I mean, like as black people, we are already and I'm going on a tangent, but I think it's important as black people. We're already black Americans who are descendant of this fuck, fucked up ass transatlantic slave trade. Right. Um, we already lost a lot of a lot of things. We rebuilt it as black Americans. We're beautiful and all of this, right? We have black joy, we created. And at the same time, we lost all this shit. And then imagine being a black American who lost all that shit, lost your language, lost your original culture, lost like, you know what I mean? Um, people, lost family, lost all these things. And then on top of it, you queer and so then you might lose your immediate family, right? Um, you might lose your immediate siblings, um, your chosen family sometimes and your family of origin, right? Your blood family. Um, and so like, that's the shit where it's like, God damn. And that's why we build, like that's why things like pose are really important because you see how queer and trans black people build with each other, right? Yeah. Um, and argue with each other and live with each other and be human because often because we have to, you know what I mean? Like, it's good that we have as much like queer kinship, but a lot of that comes from the fact that niggas don't like us, right? And so it's like, where do you go? Then there is it's like, feel me, a, a means of building community by survival. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's wild. Yeah, one thing I heard you talk about, like, is like understanding your privilege, you feel me? And um, I think you, the way you discussed it and the way like you just had a lot of nuance with it, you feel me? I thought that was really powerful. So, like, what led to you, you know, understanding your privilege and being able to discuss it? Because I feel like a lot of times, especially in, like, college spaces, you know, people, being a college student, you're privileged. Like, regardless, mm -hmm. you feel me? You got your UCLA ID or you got your UC Berkeley ID. you in college, so you're going to have a form of privilege. But I've noticed in those spaces, a lot of people don't want to talk about their privilege. You know, so what led to you, you know, just being able to talk about the, the privileges you have, despite, you know, holding these identities that you know are, are oppressed by this white supremacist uh, state yeah i mean the short version um is it's like it's a process over time and i'm still you know working with it but the short version is i was um in regard to specifically gender when i was studying abroad which 
a fucking privilege, right? Even if I didn't have the money to do it and I had to do things to like the idea that I could study abroad, right? Um, I studied abroad in Cape Town, South Africa. And while I was there, watching the way that like I was treated with women um, and watching the way, like even little, not, it's actually a very, very big thing. So many of us like uh, were raised very in very patriarchal ways, right? And so that means that like, we'll usually never let a woman walk home alone or things like that, right? Which on the one hand is good in terms of protection. On the other hand, um, it's not good if somebody does not want that, right? And that comes from the idea, not that, uh, society's going to attack the woman but if it comes from the idea that the woman can't protect herself right so like we always have to think about our actions and where they stem from mm -hmm. but so in south africa watching like watching a woman i knew get chased and basically like and having to defend her right um uh another time someone went out and like she said no to a man he punched her in the nose i wasn't there but i heard the story later like there are certain experiences that um and the reason i think south africa was important I, and i was already like 20 23, I think, 24. I think I turned 25 over there. So I think I was 24. So I was already not grown because 24 is young, but grown in a lot of other ways, right? Um, at least in the eyes of the state. And the reason I was able to see so much of the gender shit is because I was finally in a place where my blackness was not the only thing I was focusing on, right? Mm -hmm. So by being in, although Cape Town is mad white, like it's still hella black, hella blacker than like most of the cities we have in California, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and so by being in Cape Town and being in South Africa, being in another country, my Americanness was something, the privilege of being like not even American, right? Because we're North American, we're more specifically united states in right it's like a weird word to say but that's that's the reality um because even we privilege what what is america and how do we think about it but so being there i had to question my like class status so even though i identify as someone who like grew up more upper working class lower middle class depending on how you want to think about it um and that's the conversation that me and my mom got into arguments about because she was like we're middle class and i was like no mom we're not because this isn't anyway but i say that to say um being there, I had to question my Americanness and I had to question my gender. Cause like, why can I walk home alone at 2 a.m. at night, not worrying about a damn thing when my friend, you know what I mean, walk for blocks, like walk 20 minutes home from a friend's yeah. place. Um, and my friends, you know, my women friends could not walk a block or two without being harassed. And even when they were with me, they would get harassed. Like there was a woman walking with me and a man, uh, no, it wasn't a man, it was a boy. It was a student, like grabbed her hand and like try to kiss her hand, you know what I mean? And things like that, Some some people might be like, well, that's not that big a deal. That's flattering. And it's like, no, it's not fucking flattering. Like, and it's, determine what's flattering. Exactly. Like, <laughs> somebody literally that? grabbed your body, you know what I mean, and started to kiss you, put their lips to your hand. And like, and that's like, that's the least of it. People do much worse things, you know what I mean? So it's like, like, man, like being, being studying abroad really changed my life. Um, in a lot of ways, it changed the way I think about blackness in terms of like globally, it changed the way I think about gender. And at the time, I still identified as a cisgender man um, and identified as queer. Um, but it, it, it changed the way I thought in a lot of ways. Um, and people don't always get that opportunity. Right. And although I think my politics before I was 24 were, were decent, um, they got a lot better after that experience. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and I had to think about things a lot differently because um, that was also that was summer 2014 um, so that was the summer that Mike Brown was killed and um, Black Lives Matter really popped off um, but then shortly after that were also when critiques about you know focusing only on black men within this this movement for black lives like that that started to pop up and so coming back from South Africa I also was really listening a lot um, and then I got involved a lot more and that's actually when we started organizing together was when I came back from South Africa um, that's when you and me met, Blake, and then um, 
shortly after that is when you and me met Delancey. Um, so it's a trip where life takes you, you know what I mean? Um, and what I try to do for people is like walk them through stuff and question a lot of things in, in ways that like I was, like I always try to think about like instead of seeing somebody who's like, not intentionally being harmful, but still being harmful, instead of seeing that person and being like, what the fuck is your problem, right? Like thinking about what are the social systems that, you know, I'm a sociologist, so, so it's like, what are the social systems that led to that? And what is the your place in society that made you feel like you had to think like that? You know what I mean? So that's, that's like my personal story. Definitely. And I feel like if you want to, like yelling at somebody ain't really going to change or educate somebody. Yeah, but, but they just, you know, in yeah. some ways. Yeah, no, I, 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 I think... Like I, as as Ann's talking, I'm like hearing what they're saying, and it's it's starting. I think like the questioning aspect of holding people accountable, I guess, or like challenging their thought process is something that I'm going to start implementing into my strategies as far as like allyship, because you know I think like it's super easy to just. I think that's also creating avenues for people to learn better. Like it's like helping them guide them, like. It's damn near like a therapeutic tactic, like guiding someone to their realization. It's like almost asking questions. This you know, just like, like okay, the, so uh, Socratic method is. I feel like that makes more sense than you feel me just like checking a nigga. Because yeah. for one, when you checking cis head men, the like, nigga I don't know what niggas y'all know. A nigga's gonna get defensive. Period. Fuck point blank. Mean, period. Point yep. blank. Like it's like you questioning, it, and it's it's all a result of like right patriarchy, right, and toxic masculinity or whatever. Um, like anytime you question a man's action, the first thing I want to do is defend their actions. And like I've realized, I've had that with my, like I've I've that's come that's been my experience as far as like me trying to hold cishead men accountable and like be an ally, is like whenever I, I don't know why my I think that's also a part of my masculinity is like the first thing I want to do is check a nigga as opposed to, like you know question a nigga or, like talk through it slowly. Yeah, yeah. just like all right, so bro, like why do you think it's okay to say that? Yeah, you know, and that's like those those are things that I haven't done before, but I think that's definitely some stuff that I want to implement because. I think even as, unless somebody fears you, like checking them ain't really gonna get you too far. That's what I realized. And then if you put in fear into somebody else too, you know what I'm if saying? If you only do yeah, it like based it, off of fear, like you ain't really learning either. Yeah, and it's just like that's also I think like once folks are only acting a certain way because they fear you, like when you're not around, what are they doing? They gonna yeah, they be really their true self, you know? Yeah. So, I I definitely appreciate you bringing that like questioning like that's not a method that I've tried and I think a lot of people can definitely benefit from that and if you as someone that's experiencing a lot more oppression than me can navigate that I think you know I could I could muster that energy <laughs> you just <laughs> to, might have to, to do that work meditate before that <laughs> the shit is one thing I'm I'm also like you know this is the beauty of having someone that you fuck with so tough on the podcast. Like, and we're damn near forty five minutes in, fam, and, and I've like had zero anxiety during this conversation. Like, I'm, it's yeah. not, it's not. You know, we've had like I don't know, knock to any of our other guests. I think they've all been fucking amazing. Um, but yeah, it's, it's like been, we actually know you. Yeah, in real life. it's yeah. different. Yeah. Not there's just a from the level, tweets, but right? we know you in like, the streets. And there's a way we can talk about. The, hey, Apple. Um, I don't know <laughs> if you heard her shake, but there's a way we can talk about things. You know what I mean? That's like really beautiful, and and that was not there when we first met, right? And had to be built through struggle. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it, it wasn't always beautiful. We, the three of us, have always like for the most part gotten along, right? But it hasn't always been easy because like some of the foundations upon which we got to know each other, like the organizing, right? That was questioned through a lot of shit that. Um, harmed me and harmed people that I love, you know. We should explore that because we have this on the outline. It's like discussing how we all met. Um, we could we could dive into that. Y'all two met. Y'all knew each other before. Y'all both knew me, 
and before we yeah yeah we met at Cal right and then mm-hmm. yeah on some organizing y'all was yeah. up there in your ivory tower over. I'm glad <laughs> I met y'all niggas after because I probably would not have fucked. So I know I could I could already tell. Uh, you, you knew old, me when I was. You knew me when you I was. Old, like, what's that? What's that? What's that Netflix show? What's that Netflix show? The you know what I'm talking about. Ed. I know what's, what you're talking about. You know what I'm talking about, about dear white people. Yeah, y'all saw y'all dear white people shit. Y'all saw y'all dear white people shit. Oh God. Well, so like the wild thing too is like when I met Blake, Blake had like just been going through his transition of like being a student athlete and then being like, fuck this shit. This is exploitative, exploit, you know what I mean? Exploitative as hell. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and then was moving into organizing, you know what I mean? And then he recruited me as a writer first um, for the organization. We shut out my nigga Blake, man. Um, yeah, because I was I'd be writing and tweeting, and Blake was like, I, I, "I like your shit. I think we need your voice." And so, like, that's how we got to know each other at first. Um, and then we did organize, and we did statewide organizing in California around prison divestment, right? Um, with ABC, the African Black Coalition, and that shit was really beautiful, but it was also really fucked up in so many ways. And when I when I finally quit, um, like, because that's how we got to know each other, right? When I finally quit. Uh, Delincey and I actually we I don't know how much you remember but did we drive down together? Did we yeah, I was, I was having this conversation with with uh, Khadijah. We we drove to LA together. That's where I was yeah. like me and you were me and, and like he, our relationship. He, no, it was just us two, nigga. Was it just us two? I yeah. Thought he, oh, it was on the way back. My bad. Shout out, yeah, shout it was on the way back. Yeah, it was it was it was literally too. just us two, nigga. Like I remember that. Like we both worked late. Our yeah. Years. We both worked the dumbass late, which is why we couldn't go with everyone else. Yeah, and, and we, we met like, off 19th Street. You picked me up from the bar station. Yeah, yeah, and we talked about real ass shit because, like, when you're in a car with somebody for, for six, six hours, hours, like, it's like, <laughs> come you on, gotta, fam, like, you had that pickup truck too, right? <laughs> you can't. Hell no, this nigga had the. We did. We did drive. Were you in a rental? We didn't use the pickup truck. <laughs> I, yeah, no, I don't remember what I was in. I think I might have been in a rental, but that was some shit. Because um, we got to talk about some real ass shit, and we got to talk about like some of the because we were going to the the that year is when Farrakhan um, was invited. Yeah, it was the, so, the one in L.A. ABC in L.A. Wow. Yeah, and that was Jesus. some shit because we were Jesus just talking Christ. about what's this gonna be like? How do we do this? And we also talked about work, right? Because at the time you were I, at that time I was editor. Was I editor in chief, Blake? Honestly, I don't, right? I don't really remember. I think, I think, yeah, I think I was editor in chief. He was deputy comms. comms director, and then I was, was also deputy. like the prison divestment, um, like director, or that might have come later. I can't remember the the order, but we were like, we talked about the real ass shit, and we were talking about like Delinsky, can you do some interviews, and can you cover this? And that was the first time you had gone to ABC, and I remember um, actually after that, you wrote a really beautiful piece that your about your experience. Time, right? that, um, that was my that was my sub. No, the first one we did first that ABC. Was the second one? Yeah, the first the first ABC was Santa Barbara. The one with LA was my second. Yeah, that was my oh, second. Oh, it was one. the second. Yeah, and then at that fucking one, like when I watched, yeah, and I wrote about this, um, and I can send y'all the link. I think I might have before, but anyway, when I watched like Farrakhan speak, like, cause I was like, let me just like before I'm just like saying shit from like the things I know of him. Let me listen, right? So when I watched him speak, I was like, fuck, right? Like this is some, like I got, I didn't feel good, right? And then when I watched like people clap, like black people, black students for whom I am working, right? Black students with whom I'm building community. Um, black yeah, students certainly. I love, like when I watched yeah. them like clapping for the shit that was like degrading my humanity and the humanity of black women, I was like, oh fuck, like nah. And then th- that's when I decided, I was like, I'm not, I can't work with this organization anymore, you know? Um, that so shit was a that- game changer for me too, fam. Like me I, three. like y'all gotta realize I didn't have that student organizing back, except for high school, like Berkeley High, we had like a strong BSU or whatever, but even right. then I was like super 
all my like black black cis shit. I was hell out of pocket. <laughs> like I was a six. Like I was the vice president of the black union at Berkeley High. You would have invited for our and I was sick. Day. Like I was sick. Like I was foul. Yeah. I was super foul. Right. But I so I didn't have that college experience where you know I got to like form these politics or whatever. And so like I came into ABC thinking like, all right, this is like the black utopian experience. You know, um, especially after like meeting meeting Blake, Khadijah. And I think our comms team was Sorry. probably the most. Our comms team was lit. Yeah, and like you, when you think about like politics, I think we're the only ones that were like constantly trying to hold ourselves accountable and be better. I can only say that because like y'all are the three that I know the most, and like mm-hmm. you know, y'all. I mean, that was the core of it. Yeah. So, so when when I got to this space and I seen that black folks were creating the space in which other black folks can be degraded, I was like, all oh, this shit is a farce. I don't fuck with any of this shit. Like, I'm over it, nigga. And, like, I never formally quit, but, like, nigga, from when I never formally joined, I felt like, you feel me? Like, I only was in that shit because of y'all three. Yeah. So yeah. it was, like, when I finally saw that, like, I'm like, wait, we created a space. Knowing that we have black women in this space, knowing that we got black LGBTQ folks in this space, we brought in a nigga who constantly doesn't miss the opportunity to degrade them. I can't be down with this shit. Yeah. Like, I was. And on top of that, me and Ann had just had, like, all these deep ass conversations about who they were as a person right and i'm getting like brought into like the black queer experience and then seven hours later i gotta hear farrakhan talk mm-hmm. he was yeah and that's the thing is so blake at the time um blake was on the exact like committee and so um and for folks who don't know the way it works like we as execs didn't decide like the conference is planned by the the hosting school and then like exec can like make some decisions and helps with stuff but mostly it wasn't us so we like we as staff you know um went and did all this but blake blake was like still trying to fight and literally i think almost got into a fight at that conference like you'll have to speak on it blake if i remember correctly but like blake was trying to fight with exact about like this fuck shit um so on the one hand i was mad as hell because i was like this is some fuck shit and like and i remember delincey you you basically quit too but like me and khadijah talked at one point because um because uh, she was still on staff, right? And we've talked since then, and she's like, damn, I should have left when you left, right? Because, like, she was part of it is like one of the reasons I had stayed so long is because you want to fight, quote unquote, from the inside, right? It's like, it's you like if, I, if, if there's this much violence happening yeah. while I'm there, right? It's like, Imagine what would be happening leave. when I'm not there, right? Yeah. But then that means that you're also a part of the violence. And I also Does that make you that complicit? You- like it does often yeah. right you know what i mean and then that also means that you are part of the um you become like a sacrificial lamb and like when that shit happened i was like nah you know what i mean like after that conference like i think i stayed for the the whole thing and then after that i was like i can't do this you know what i mean like i can't be dedicating so much of my life and my organizing to this work when like this is the leadership that we have and this is the leadership that we're looking toward um and this and this leadership that we're looking toward is looking backward you know what i mean and is making up shit about black people and about how black uh homosexuals didn't exist before which is like mad a historical which is some revisionist ass shit like what the fuck exactly I'm like, nigga, i don't know a lot but i know that ain't it yeah he talked about us being like he talked about black queer people being the invention of a white scientist literally like, like science experience my niggas like i was what? sick i was what? sick the what man yeah. like that's how that nigga i'm like if it, i'm like whoa i'm Bruh, that what? nigga was so foul. 
I was. He dude. also came like a thousand deep, so it made it look like he had hella more followers in there than he did. Bro, they really, they <laughs> actually, they deep. actually reserved the front seats for his fucking followers. You feel me? So like, no students, nobody could sit in the front. He had his whole fucking people come in there. So then motherfucker was standing and clapping. I'm like, man, this is straight some propaganda, bro. And then you that had folks really from our is. leadership team on the stage. Well, folks from the leadership supporting team was, this nigga was in the fucking nation. That was that was the whole issue, you know. And I, yeah, um, that shit. It was wild. Like I said, me and me and Aunt, we had just shared damn near a moment. Like I think that was like that's where I felt like that drive down me and you had, I feel like that was like really where our like our relationship formed, like where it got super deep. Cause then over like the next year, me and you were doing workshops together, nigga. We were constantly mm-hmm. being in contact with one another. And I'm like, yo, y'all got my nigga fucked up. Like y'all niggas are sick. I'm not fucking with it at all. And it was damn near heartbreaking cause that was Again, my first introduction to like black student organizing from me developing better policies at that time, right? Like I had already been a part of it, but it was just yeah. like kind of like a revamp. Like, all right, mm-hmm. boom, I'm working to actively actively be better. I know the ways in which I support this system. Boom, now let me go feel me fix all the shit I didn't did. Yeah, yeah, and it was mad. I mean, it, it was mad heartbreaking because for the three of us, that was where um, like the degree to which it, the the change happened it might is different for all of us but that was where a lot of our political shifts were happening and where like we were able to practice language among each other and politics and think about how do we think about black people and how do we mm-hmm. think about like what we're doing for each other so like the beautiful thing is that a lot of that happened through the organizing with ABC right but then the fucked up thing is that like even when we brought up complaints of things it was like oh no that's not a big deal or oh you being sensitive or we were watching you know, like, people be Silenced in real that. time. Say what? We were watching folks be silenced mm-hmm. in real time. In real time, like all the <laughs> all these systems so of oppression. Because I just remember Shut like Blake having to deal with that right in the exec board, and then eventually being like, "Nah, I can't do this." And then Khadijah leaving, and the other people leaving too. You know what I mean? Um, and at one point, they asked me back for like a panel or something. I was like, "I can't do this, y'all." Like you know, like I will not. I will not. I won't. You know what I mean? Like, and I love some of the individuals, right? But like as an organization, given the leadership as as it was, as I knew it, like no. No, you know, which is sad because um, there's really beautiful, like to get like, you know, like we were we were key in getting twenty five million dollars, you know, what I mean, um, divested from private prisons in the whole University of California system. And that was That's a big ass fucking win. And in mean. a lot of ways, that work is what pushed me to do like the doctoral work that I'm doing now on yeah. incarceration, because I realized that win was huge, but also didn't impact people who are currently incarcerated. Right. So my work ideally is not going to just like be a policy win or just be a money win, but be a, be work that like looks at how folks are actually being impacted inside the humans. You know, what I mean, like people who are locked up, like my cousin who passed away, you know, what I mean, like. Like, so shit like that, like it's 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 so sad that like there's so much potential there, right? And then this is what came of it, you know what I mean? Um, and it came from stepping on the fucking necks and heads of black queer and trans and uh, women folk, you know what I mean? Yeah, and it was also to add on to that, just very classist too. Absolutely. Know? So yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I still got funk with some of them niggas for real though. For yeah, real. I, I had to like if I see some of them it's niggas still funk. It's wild. I had to talk Blake like, off of a couple of incidents. Like y'all, fam. Like you know, niggas don't know any better. Like let's just forgive them for they not know. Like, but I'm still very grateful that you know, at least the relationships that we all have. You feel me? Like we still. If we it still weren't for ABC, for each other. You feel I mean, me? like honestly, if it weren't for ABC, I don't know where I'd be. Like I think Aunt made points where they said you know people have to be willing to learn. Like it was mm-hmm. just so happened that I was in a space where I wanted to be a better person in general, 
and I ended up coming across y'all, and you know I'm, I'm super grateful for that. So, you know, of course, they was on some fucking nigga shit, but you know they brought me people like again Anthony Blake and Khadijah. So, and I didn't unlike y'all, I didn't have that much time invested into them. I was only there for like six months. It was a bunch of shit I didn't go to. It was a bunch of shit I didn't participate in because I never, you know, I was like, I felt like I was one of the only few niggas that was really like from. You feel me? Yeah, the community yeah. and shit. Like I wasn't. You know, like I was. You really, were. I was like yeah. one of the few niggas who was like from the places that motherfuckers wanted to serve, right? So like, I always felt like a little ostracized. I wasn't a part of the the UC Cal State system, so I always felt like a little like out of place. But with again with y'all three, I always felt hella at home. So I'm like, yeah. all right, these niggas make it worth it. Fuck it. Yeah, and I think one thing too, learning from ABC was also like, what is foul. You feel me? Or like, what is fucked up with these politics? Because at the same time, I was like, this is when I was really reading you know to die for the people really starting to study the panthers you feel me because like i joined organizing out of passion but i didn't necessarily have the political education Mm -hmm. you feel me Mm -hmm. and i'm like all right abc this is the only shit i see right now you feel me but i was also like in oakland and shit doing shit protesting and whatnot but that was the only organization i really saw i'm like damn these motherfuckers is really just straight up (laughs) in the academy you know what i'm saying and then it's like really being you know when you outside you really see the issues that black folks are facing you feel me? And just seeing, you know, homeless, houseless people in Oakland. You feel me? And the majority of them are black. And you that's that's where we really got the idea for People's Breakfast. Oakland, too. You feel me? It was like, all right, how do we actually serve the community and not just black students? You know? So, there was a lot of fuck shit, but a lot of that shit, um, I learned a lot, you know, of, like, what is foul. And where, where does liberation actually come from? You feel me? Yeah, and even our politics around like, cause like they're a black nationalist org, and and I don't know about y'all, but I don't identify as a black nationalist. Um, and so like that was an interesting thing because the nation state in itself is like a colonial concept, right? And so how do we think about like yep. blackness? You know what I mean? And how do we think about being on um, indigenous land? And how do we think about being a stolen people on indigenous land? Like, so, and I remember even having conversations about that early on of like, if we're thinking about reparations and we're thinking about uh, a plan, like, what does that mean for indigenous people, right? Like, and those are questions I had. Um, So, uh, you know, it's just a trip because I think while I was part of the org at one point, I did identify as a black nationalist. And like since then, I'm like, nah, I mean, like I'm black at my heart and I'm a black leftist. um, But in terms of like, how do I, you know, I mean, like a a black socialist as well. But like in terms of trying to build a black nation within the United States, like, nah, um, you know, what I mean, like, nah, especially given all the shit we've been talking about. If on an individual colonialism, like mass, it really is. And ABC was really on just some like capitalist shit, too. It was like, oh, we just need more black businesses. You feel me? So like the nationalist politic that ABC had was on some like it was it was it was basically some nation of Islam type shit. Like, let's all put our pennies together type shit. Yeah, it's wild. It really is wild to think about because I don't even know what they're doing now. You know what I mean? Like, I'm so disconnected from that um, and disconnected from the people who are active in it that I don't even know. Um, so I don't know if things have changed at all. Um, I don't know. It, it but but yeah, it, it's wild <laughs> how mean, much you know, of our like, political still, development so. happened through that in really positive ways, but also in the negative, like seeing the shit that we didn't want. Right. And sometimes you have to go through that. So like I had to I didn't have to, but in my case, I did identify as a black nationalist for a little bit. And through that, I realized, oh, actually, this is not what I want, right? Um, this is not how I want to think about black people and our identity and 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 this fucking, like, in this nation, you know? Yeah, it's, that, that, that was the moment for us. We're an hour in, 
Ant is not doing this for free. I want y'all to know this. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, this nigga is not be, doing it for free. To be clear, <laughs> I did say if we go over. They said they would give us the plug, though. Because that's family, right? Like, you know what I mean? Um, and if y'all were like, yo, I can't pay you for this episode, I'd be like, yeah, I got you. Because, like, y'all fam. You know what I mean? Um, we, but, just, we don't pay cishet straight men. We don't do that. We don't, we don't pay them niggas. Y'all niggas gonna do this labor for the F, nigga. Solidarity, the nigga. The thing is, and probably would have done it for free if we really asked. But what would that would have been? Like, would, nah. would that be true to our politics? It bro? isn't. That's why I'm like, so we gotta pay your this fee. nigga. What's your fee? You feel me? And something we haven't discussed yet that we usually do at the beginning of the episode is Black Joy. <laughs> and, and you're one yeah. of the people who really taught me about Black Joy. To be honest, like, I remember you talking about it a lot on Twitter back in the day. Maybe like what two three years ago? Yeah, yeah, that's beautiful. That like, like really makes me happy because I remember actually Blake when you you taught my piece. Um, I think I think that came out in like December twenty sixteen. You taught you taught my piece um, in your like with your students, you know. Mm-hmm. And I remember just like that's that's it's a trip. Like fucking Delincey, and I think you know this too because like you um, like Blake. I know you know this because you taught it, but Delincey, I, you know it because you are a journalist, were a journalist, um, do some dope ass writing and journalism. And so like to see your name on like a on a piece that's like amazing to see your work being that shit feels like, so good <laughs> yo it's like wild it's like yo, what the fuck um, sure. i think it's but like yeah. i think it's that feeling of like you matter honestly like that's what i feel and yo that was yeah. wild you and know because like my students literally wrote papers about that shit they're like anthony williams you know so it was like it was cool because i like i really know this nigga and you feel me <laughs> <laughs> you know and then they're talking about yeah the author you know anthony williams was talking about black joy as this revolutionary practice and I'm just like, you know, smiling on the inside, but I'm teaching, so I can't really smile like that. You feel me? So that shit was wrong. I wish you could have seen my class. Like, the sissat man came out. He was like, I can't smile. I got a mug. <laughs> um, but yeah, Black Joy. I mean, the thing is, like, so I, I'm, I'm pretty open and honest about dealing with depression and anxiety. It's something I've dealt with since at least I was like. 13, 14, mm-hmm. um, around puberty, you know what I mean? I think is when it like really hit, although it may have been happening before and I, I wasn't recognizing it, but it took until I was like 26 to know, like basically graduating um, Berkeley to know that, um, cause I was a non-traditional student, a transfer student, I've been working, I, you know, I've done all kinds of shit, but it took me that time to know actually that I was dealing with like depression um, and that I was dealing with anxiety and those things like impacted as, as Delincey said earlier, how I show up, right? Like how how I can show up. Um, and so Black Joy is like hella important for me as somebody who like identifies as disabled through my mental illness, right? Um, but in general, it's like you literally like we won't survive and we the only way that we have survived so far is through Black Joy, right? Um, a lot of research that looks at slavery, right? The enslavement of, of African people here in the United States looks at the way that um, black women, for example, would wear like gold earrings, right? And how that was like a moment of black joy and resistance. How like actually making fun of Massa, like you could get caught doing that shit. And so often it was literally life or death, but like that was the shit that like would keep you going, right? Um, and and that's how we've survived so so long. And I don't want to make it, um, I, I hate when we just think of ourselves as like resilient because like that ignores how many people we have lost, right? Um, to violence from other people, um, to our own selves, to violent systems, right? So I don't want to do that and just be like, well, as black people, we just so resilient, right? Like, mm-hmm. yes, we are, but also at what fucking cost, right? Um, so part of that is like, is for me, black joy, 
the, the easiest way for me to say is we can't exist without it, right? Like, and so that is sometimes, like, that's that's Ant and Apple, right? Like, me, like, I was going through some shit. I've been going through some shit, and I had wanted a dog for a long time. And, like, having a dog has really helped me, right? It's really brought me a lot of joy. Um, seeing pictures of, like, kids or spending time around kids and seeing, like, the future. Um, and it's easy to be like, shit, what world are they inheriting? Um, but we could also think of it like, like, how are they living in this moment? How do kids just embody happiness and joy? How does music make us feel? You know what I mean? How does creating, right? Like the fact that y'all are on 44 episodes or this might be the 45th cause the live show, right? That you're on 45 episodes, right? Of like hella black. When I remember when this was just like an idea, you know what I mean? Like that fucking for me is black joy. You know what I mean? Thanks. Like y'all are doing this shit and like got a fucking Patreon. You got like white people paying you money, which they should be, right? Um, black people paying you money, um, non-black people paying you money because there's gems that are dropped on the show. Y'all bring hella beautiful black people together. Um, y'all do live shows. Y'all do people's breakfast. Like, you know what I mean? Like all this shit, like, um, which includes labor, right? So like Black Joy, is, it, it, it doesn't come without work, right? Um, whether that's introspection, right? Or whether that's literal work, right? Like what does, what does that look like? But Black Joy is necessary, like... Whew, you know what I mean? Like, I felt my, that Black Joy don't come without work shit. I didn't hear fuck. You know? Because that shit doesn't, it's not like, that's the thing is like self care, the way that we talk about it often in, in social media and shit is just like, oh, well, a bubble bath or oh, treat yourself or whatever. But it's like, no, that's not like, that doesn't cure the wounds that I have from like emotional abuse from, from growing up, right? You know what I mean? Like, me getting a fucking uh, new pair of shoes does not fix that. Like, it makes me feel better uh, temporarily for some reason, like for some reasons and for some things, but like, it's not. yeah to create the joy is also you that means you have to work through some of the healing so it's not always cute it's not always fun it's not always instagrammable but like that joy to get to the joy and to have those moments of like bliss and to have those moments of euphoria like that shit takes work you know what i mean um it's wild i feel like as black people it's impossible to exist without working because even your even your joy joy, even your joy because you have to fucking heal from your trauma and shit and like really figure out why that means something to you you know because even the first time i remember hearing black joy i'm like joy nigga what like i really had that reaction i think like joy yeah then i had to take some time to really understand like all right what is how do i actively try to find joy in my life you know what i'm saying and especially it's, it's easy when things are going well but when things are going hard it's like how do you like make sure to find joy you feel me Mm-hmm. As part of self care, because mm-hmm. I feel like when we like and when we first started organizing, people wasn't really talking about self care. Like I think it's become like a a buzzword now. Yeah, you know, and like people, oh, self care, self care, this, self care, that. And I'm like, we didn't really know that shit when we first started organizing. You know. Yep. But now, it's and like, a lot of people sacrificed a lot because they were not caring for themselves. They weren't uh-huh. taking the time. They weren't because we're like it's like the you know what I mean it's um. Patricia Collins talks about like a um, what's it called a matrix of domination I believe is yeah, yeah. Um, and part of that is like we you have different identities within that space and so you could be privileged as hell as a university student and also be organizing and also um, which means like it takes you have to have time and and all this right but also be being fucked over by the university system right and also not be get, getting enough sleep and also not taking care of yourself so it's like you could be this privileged ass university student and still be going through some shit and that's what was happening to us right we're at fucking berkeley one of the best institutions in the world and not taking care of ourselves like 
point blank period. Like most of us were not. And when I was in um, when I was in South Africa, I was seeing photos on my timeline when I still had a Facebook of like people getting their ass beat, basically photos and videos by the the Berkeley PD, right? Um, when like the the riots. Um, Riots are what they call them, but uprisings, you know what I mean? When the uprisings were happening. So it's like a trip to even think about, like, how do you heal your wounds, right? Um, and how do you not just always go, go, go? Which is something that I think all three of us, like, struggle with. Is like, what happened? Like, do you actually have downtime? Like, I saw, I think both of y'all niggas were on vacation, or was it just you, Blake? Um, but, like, seeing that honestly made me hella happy. I was like, Blake needs a fucking vacation, you know what I mean? Like, Delancey needs a vacation. Because we're been trying to get me on one. I ain't been on a vacation. I don't know what the fuck that is <laughs> since Pac died. I've really been telling Delancey to take a vacation. <laughs> you need to go. Damn near every time I see this nigga, I'm like, hey, bro, <laughs> when you get in your passport, bro, we, we out this <laughs> motherfucker. <laughs> you gonna become one of them passport bougie, bougie blacks. Hey, man. I mean, nigga, I'd rather die. Hey, how many stamps do you have? <laughs> but no, nah, my fault. My bad for cutting you off, fam. No, no, no. You good? Basically, I was just gonna say though. Like, I just remember even like seeing that on my time. Like, I literally, I was like, like smiling. You know what I mean? Because like, we work hella hard all the time just to exist. Let alone do all the other things we we need to do. So like, that doesn't always have to be a vacation for you, like Delancey, right? I think it's important to do that. But it does need to be like a break sometimes. It does need to be like kicking it with your family. It does need to be, you know what I mean? Like there has to be that in your life um, because otherwise it's not sustainable. You know, and a lot of times we frame it as it's not sustainable and you won't do good work. But it's like outside of this capitalist frame set or mindset this frame where it's like oh i'm do i'm take i'm taking care of myself so i can do better work or do work do more work it's like not like you need to take care of yourself because you need to take care of yourself just in the name of taking care of yourself not not in the name of like taking care of myself so that i can be more productive yep facts with that being said um what black joy moments have we had over the last you know week month whatever for blake and i Last time we did an episode was, I don't know. That wasn't it was Chicago. like a week ago. No, we did the uh, Dreaming Dreaming episode. Yeah, it's been a week for us, but Aunt, for you, what's like been one of your Black Joy moments over the past like month or a couple of weeks? Mm. Actually, today. Um, so I I run a race and ethnicity working group on campus. Um, it's mostly like we invite speakers um, who who are at the, you know, who are doing race or ethnicity research, right? So because it's in sociologists, it's mostly sociologists. And uh, what I did today, me and my my co-organizer, um, her name's Harleen Kaur. She's a Sikh Punjabi woman. She's dope as fuck. Um, we organized like a brunch um, for black and brown people, right? Um, and we did it under the banner of race and ethnicity working group, but really it was just like us. And I, like, we had a whole conversation. It was like from 12 to three. And um, we had a whole conversation about just like, what it means to be to be outside this university, like what this university does to us. There's some undergrads there. There's some grads there. There were no staff or like custodial people or anything like that. Like so, being transparent, right? It was still all students, whether they're graduate students or um, undergraduate students. But it was just beautiful to be in that space because literally, like Delincey, you know this, Blake, you know this, and I'm sure a lot of your listeners know this. Like you will be one of, you know, anywhere from 200 to a few thousand black students on your campus that has anywhere from a thousand to 
hundreds of thousands of students, right? You know what I mean? Like, so when you think like that, it's like, damn, like I'm literally one to 3% of this campus. And so that means I'm not gonna, literally, I'm not even gonna see black people on campus walking around. So my black joy moment was like me organizing this space, right? Where we had food for each other. We just got to talk, we got to be real. At one point, someone was crying, you know what I mean? We laughed hella, we told jokes, we had music. And like, we just got to be in that space together, um, which is dope. Cause like, I don't like LA, you see LA is like, like a mess itself, like the institution, um, and not specifically all of them are right, but in, in specific ways it is. Um, but to be in that violent ass space with beautiful ass people is like, if I gotta be here, then I'm gonna bring my niggas with me. You know what I mean? Nice. Um, and and that's what it was today for me. That was my black joy. Um, it's just like seeing all those faces. Yeah, when you were talking, it kind of reminded me of the live podcast that we have on college campuses. Like I think that's something that. I think when people see us doing a live podcast, it's like, oh, like, boom, they're, like, their podcast is growing. But it's like, in addition to us going and having these podcasts, we're creating these, like, safe, uh, not just us, right, but the people that help us host the podcast, like the students. Mm-hmm. Like the students, in addition to us, too, like, we're, we're creating and crafting these very safe and inclusive black spaces that on campuses of thousands of people, where it's only a couple hundred, if that, black folks, right? Like, we're creating these spaces where black folks can come together and and build community and that's the the part of the live podcast that i fuck with the most right like of course like you know niggas get paid or whatever they get to they get the chance to leave home to do something that we never thought we would be doing but the mm-hmm. fact that we can be a part of building safe and inclusive black spaces on these extremely white college campuses yeah that's the shit that make it all worth it like a student one time said like this is the first time i've really felt safe on my campus and they were a fucking senior that shit, that was shit hit me i'm just like what like what did we do? <laughs> like, yeah. you know, like, yeah, we saw yeah. ourselves short or whatever, but like, I was like, damn, like, just the podcast really brought that. You feel me? That that was nuts. Yeah, that's wild. Cause I mean, I mean, I remember Black Wednesdays at Berkeley, like, actually were dope. Like, just to, even if you could only stop by for a moment, just to see Black people, you know what I mean? Like, in this space was just like it, it meant so much you know what i mean because like there's just so few of us and then the other thing too is like we we, we haven't really talked about too much we don't need to but i think it's worth mentioning that's like black people who are opting in to their blackness right that doesn't even include the black people who are on campus who don't look at you right and look the other way for whatever reason right because that shit's hella like that happens here in uh, la people don't like give you the nod like you know what i mean like i've looked at people especially on the west side like it doesn't happen very often um and i ended up writing my ma paper about it um the few times it did happen because like it was just wild how like how little people wanted to connect with each other but when you do connect with somebody right and it was usually black men but not all with black women it was usually a smile um but there was a nod that would happen sometimes like what what that means and what kind of connection that brings you and how that could literally change your day you could be having a shitty ass day and you see beautiful black people or i'll speak for myself i see beautiful black people i'm like oh shit like it makes me appreciative in ways that i wasn't before you know yeah and something we talked about earlier we like lightly touched on was um all the different things that we're doing and specifically to you right being a, a phd student and mm-hmm. I don't know if that always comes with being a TA. Are those things like like a requirement? Damn Usually, man. yeah, so, almost every program. Yeah, so yeah. so being a PhD student, being a TA, um, being I don't know how much you're writing these days. I see I often see you post things, but I don't know like if there's always like brand new content. But basically, mm-hmm. like, how have you been? How how has that experience been like navigating 
this this new form of being a student right but then also trying to do all your other passions and things that you like doing how has that been for you because i feel like that's the norm now with, with folks right like we're all just doing hell with things at once trying to find it a means way of how survival yeah and it means of you know being our truest selves right we all out here doing hella different things and so like how has that experience been for you and like how have you been navigating that and if you have any tips for the listeners and shit and shit even me and blake like yeah what is what has that been <laughs> like for you how you navigate that Mm, it's been shitty. Um, <laughs> <Fuck>. <laughs> no hope from out the gate. Yeah, fuck. <laughs> out the gate, like okay, nigga, what else is new? <laughs> it's been shitty, but I will go back to what I said earlier. I still think I made like because I got into a few different schools, which is wild. Because like I went to public schools, I went to community college. I didn't expect to go to Berkeley. I didn't expect to be in a PhD program. So this shit is wild for me. I'm about to be 30 this year, and I just didn't know that this is what 30 would look like. I didn't know that I would see 30. Like, all this shit, right? Um, so, um, it's been shitty. And also like one thing that uh, I was just tweeting about it, Dr. Karita Brown, she's amazing. Um, she's my advisor and she's a amazing author and sociologist and researcher and all these things. And what she was saying is like, you are, you have to be a little bit crazy to apply to grad school and then go right. Um, same applies to law school, same applies to medical school, but especially in particular, you know a certain way too, you in me? which you think about grad school. And it's like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, I'm going to school for five to six years to get my PhD. And then I'm not guaranteed a job after that. And then with that, right, um, I might have to, not might, I will have to travel from my home institution or from where I'm I'm from to get a job, right? Um, so like that shit is real, right? And that's sometimes if I have a family at that point, right? Like like uh, not my, my, my family of origin, not like my siblings and my parents and stuff, but like say I have like a partner and kids and things mm-hmm. like that, like, I have to uproot them, right? Or I have to leave, like, you know, or if I stay where I am, that limits my options, right? So all the shit is is wild. So I say all the shitty things to say that, like, and yet we still choose it, right? And I choose it because I'm a fucking square. Like, I'm a nerd. Like, from, like, a very early age, I was, like, You talk about that, but I don't think people, like, fully, like, you talk about being a nerd actively. But I think, like, people, like, take it in passing, like, oh, yeah, but, like, nah, you really fuck with this school shit. You fuck with this reading, you fuck, this nigga fuck you, with it. You fuck with this ProQuest searches, you fuck with this transcriptions and this shit. You got on the podcast and start talking about sites. Like, you fuck with these, you, these literature reviews and shit. When Damn. I tell you, when I tell you that last Friday I was actually looking at PDFs at this time, like I was You're like gross. looking up research articles. No, and I was, did you at least I was, have like, an alcohol beverage? And I was like, what the fuck is wrong with me, right? Like, what the fuck? Like, that's sick, fam. You know? That is sick. I know I'm disgusting. And the thing is, like, so like, and I think the thing is, when you when you look at somebody, right, the three of us, I would say, are attractive, right? And when you look at somebody attractive, that does not make that you're like, nah, they ain't really that square. They ain't that that much of a nerd. And it's like, actually, nah, like, I'm nerdy as fuck. You know what I mean? Like, and and what I like is a, a eternally learning, right? So like, you have to be open in terms of what we were talking about earlier. You have to be open to like self critique and people critiquing you to be able to expand your worldview. But I, and that was not somebody I always was. But I have always been somebody who likes to learn about shit. Like like <laughs> to keep it a hundred with you. Like I would be in the bathroom, right, taking a shit, um, and then I would like the mud and man. This is before cell phones, right? So there was <laughs> nothing. And, like I would and I would look. This is when I was younger, and I'd like see on the ground we had Dow, right, like the chemical um to clean the bath and i'd like read that shit like i read the back and i'd be like okay ingredients like he's got a for knowledge fam something wrong with that yeah and the thing is and that's that's just what it is and so for me being a phd student has been great and that i've been able to be like i get 
I don't get paid well, so that's important to know. But I get people don't know this about PhD programs. Most PhD PhD programs, as opposed to uh, your bachelor's or your master's, are fully funded. So um, you're gonna get in the state of California, um, across the United States, you're gonna get anywhere from like fifteen thousand dollars a year to thirty four thousand dollars a year, right? That's like what you're gonna make. It wait, sucks. Hold on, wait, 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 wait. You said fifteen. You said fully bands. funded. So you're saying like your school is paid for, and then on top of that, you get that like stipend or whatever. Correct. Okay. Correct. I need um, thirty four bands for going back to school for sure. Thirty four <laughs> bands. What the fuck are you gonna do with that? They said 15, is your rent paid for? Fifteen to thirty four. No, no, your rent is not paid for. So yeah. that's the good thing, luck right? with that so thirty four thousand like, living in Los Angeles. <laughs> like, you know so, what? And I'm not even making that right. So like the way that it works. So when I got into UCLA, and it's important for people to hear this who are considering PhDs. Another thing too is you could apply to a PhD program straight after your bachelor's. Like you don't need your master's, and a lot of people don't realize I that. that. I didn't. Yeah, um, because what happens is you get your master's along the way. So like I just got master's the email is yesterday. Lucky a scam sometimes, huh? Masters can be a scam because, like, often, if it's a terminal master's, for example, your MSW, the master's in social work, that's good. You can go right. work, right? But, like, you wouldn't want to get a master's in sociology because you yeah. can't do much with that. Like, you, you can a master's teach in at a community college, studies, but community like, colleges are actually much more competitive than people realize to teach at. So, like, you might get a job teaching, like, a class or two, but you're not going to get full-time money with just your master's you usually need at, in, in 2019 you need your phd um so the thing about that is like when i got into ucla i think i got offered like 17 or nineteen thousand dollars a year that didn't include summers and summers often are not paid and so they expected me to live in los angeles california pay my rent eat food go out do whatever right um and help family because that's the thing that i as a black ass person do too right um they expected me to do that on like that salary then i got a bump up to twenty five thousand um because i got this fellowship uh so for the last two years that's what i was making right twenty five thousand dollars a year twenty five thousand um, dollars you you can get like food stamps and stuff with that kind of shit yeah but theory, can you but do that though in theory that's what i'm saying like in theory like when you look at like government assistant programs like anything under like from what i remember is like shit under like thirty thousand dollars you didn't qualify for everything yeah the, but as a student you can't get that you can as an undergrad and sometimes you can as a grad but because the poverty line is like i want to say 16 or seventeen thousand dollars, so at 25 i'm above the poverty line for a, a family of one although i'm not re like it's wild because like $25,000 is not enough money to live in Los Angeles. And also when you think about homeless- Where's enough money to live anywhere? Any, anywhere. Because <laughs> you think about homeless houses people, or you think about families yeah. living on that salary. It's like, damn. Like, but you know, you try not to make those comparisons. Yeah. But I got that bump up, right? And then I got a, a competitive national fellowship. So now Congrats I'm making more that, than the 25 the or I'll start next year. But like, even with that, that is- the cap at that is 34, right? Um, and it's 34 for the whole year. Um, so that does include the summer. But it's like, goddamn, like even I'm one of the most top paid or starting next year, I'll be one of the most top paid graduate students in the nation, right? And I'm making $34,000 a year. That is fucking um, disgusting. Isn't that wild? Because the and you're thing is, teaching as you said earlier, as a TA, like that means like, that. I have uh, this last quarter and the quarter prior and the quarter prior to that, I had 25 students in each of my three sections. So I had 75 students, oh right? My each God, quarter I've had 75 students. <laughs> like, that's hella students. That's, um, that sounds I, terrible. I'm sorry. They might be great students, writing, even if they're great. Right? Plus I'm researching. Um, plus I am doing anything else that I want to do or that I need to do, right? I also work another job because like that's not enough money. Damn, this I'll, is one part of you. Like, We're talking about just school. <laughs> Like just school, school, nigga. This is one part of you. 
it's wild. It's wild. Um, but yeah, that's I'll stop there because I've been talking about it a lot. And I, but but yeah, it's it's some shit. It's some shit. So oh yeah, that's that was there's all the shitty things. But within it, what I have loved doing is teaching. What I have loved doing is mentoring. What I have loved doing is like being black and queer like in these spaces right like it doesn't always feel good but it's important for people in these university spaces to see it not necessarily so that they go to grad school because you only should go to grad school if you're really serious and really want a phd and if you want a phd for a particular reason which like depends on you right what you want to do um but it is so that people just in undergrad and in the community see like yo you could be a black grad student like i didn't know that that was a thing you could do like until a few years ago like I would say about six years ago, um, until six years ago, I thought that the only type of doctor there was was a fucking medical doctor. I didn't know you could be a doctor of sociology, for a real, doctor of real. philosophy, a doctor of Latin. Like, the fuck is that? You know what I mean? Like, I didn't know that. Um, so I think it's important to see these possibilities, even if you're like, fuck that, I'm never going to do it. Right. It's important to know because um, it's like we have to have black people in all spaces. And I do not mean that to say that, like, we have to have black police officers, for example, because like, thank you, you know, fuck 12. But um, what I mean is that if you're going to have like a space, for example, like undergrad institutions like Berkeley, like UCLA, like that have such low black populations, it's also important to make sure that they also have support while they're there, right? So it's like, if we're gonna be in these anti-black ass places, then it's also important for them to know that they can move higher within these places, right? And then eventually become a Dr. Anthony James Williams or whatever, you know what I mean? Yes. So like that shit, that shit's important, you know? 2020, 2022, I will be, um, I'm putting it in the universe. Okay. I'm gonna like, do my James best Williams. to come see you get hooded. <laughs> You hey. feel me? I'm gonna see you get your hood. Hey, <laughs> when this nigga Ed told me he was in a five year program, I think I put LMAO as my response. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and people be asking me that, like, oh, you done with your program, right? And I'm like, nah, nigga, I got three more years. And the thing is, three is like what is guaranteed. It may take four or five. My plan is not for it to happen, but literally, Yo, I'm You told me you were going to school for five years. I like fucking cried. That's <laughs> I was like dying laughing. Like, what is wrong with this nigga? Like, who, who does so that by that choice? So I'm like, somebody must have put a gun to their head and made them do this shit. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, it's wild. I'm ridiculous. Like, anybody who goes into this, you have to be a little bit, a little bit crazy, honestly. But, like, and I mean that. Like, truly, something is off, off with us. Out of all people, you know, you say you study, you feel me, you do for fun. So, I think, I think it fits you. <laughs> I think it fits you. I think this key. is your calling. That was low key shade, but I I feel you. I feel you. You're right. <laughs> it was no shade at all. No shade at all. But uh, yeah, just to transition a little bit to something we was talking about earlier, you know, just talking about pride and whatnot. We just wanted to know, you feel me, like what uh Pride Month means to you, especially as you know something I've been seeing a lot on Twitter and is how like it's been kind of corporatized in a lot of ways. But yeah, we just wanted to know what what Pride means to you. You know, pride pisses me off um, because pride is not what pride was. Um, if you think about Sylvia Rivera and you think about Marsha P. Johnson, um, like our trans of color, you know, foremothers, um, the women who were really doing shit, they at that time were dealing with the shit that I was talking about. They're dealing with cis gay men who were violent as fuck to them. They're dealing with lesbians um, who were like, you're not real women, right? You know what I mean? Like they're dealing with that shit. Um, and so like pride comes from struggle. Pride comes from a lot of like, a lot of pain, right? Um, mm -hmm. Within 
within our community, not even just it, not even just outside, right? Um, so for me, pride is mad political, but like the way that it works nowadays is it is this it's a commodity, right? And so you have these organizations that have like horrible ass like trans um, uh, exclusionary policies and like anti queer ass. Um, executives and other shit and then on pride they they tweet in a fucking rainbow and then people are buying it right because they think that makes them an ally and it's like no allyship is actually giving your money directly to black trans women allyship is giving somebody a fucking ride right allyship is like the real ass shit not you wearing a pride like that might that might do something in certain spaces like you might be making a statement so i don't want to take away that that is uh in, in itself an act um but, but that, that is ain't not the, really yeah like that's like kind of the barbie in the floor kind of thing right Exactly. So pride pisses me off in a lot of ways because like I remember going to my first pride in San Francisco when I was like 19 or 20 and I just like you know like that, that my my political development and my political um I hadn't done a lot of political study, right? And I didn't know as much about like queer history. Um and so and at that point I identified as gay, not queer. Um and and um the the interesting thing about that is that it was just like people and granted as we were talking about with black joy like queer joy right if you want to you know that's not something i talk about a lot but like being queer and being happy and finding your your joy in a place in a world that hates you is important too um however what i found is like it was just like it wasn't just people having fun and and looking cute it was and just drinking it was also just like fucking cops at pride right it's fucking corporations at pride it's fucking vultures at pride like you know what i mean like all these people and so it's just hard it's, it's difficult because like on the one hand i'm like oh well you know what i mean like for the young kids like it's good for them to know that they could be themselves and to see a, a celebration but it's like pride has been so depoliticized for so long mm. and queer people are so depoliticized because like, like part of it is survival we just want to live but a lot of it is like you know, we don't all have to deal with it. Like, like me, like I was saying earlier, like I, when I walk out, if I go in certain neighborhoods, yeah, they might be like faggot. Right. But for the most part, that's not something I've dealt with in my life because I, I have a deep enough voice and I look masculine enough and I present in masculine enough ways. Right. Um, even if niggas might look at me and be like, he a little sweet. Right. It's like, I'm not sweet enough to like beat my ass. Right. For the most part. Um, so, and depending on where I am, right, it's all conditional on where you are. Um, but pride, pride is a trip. Um, and so like, I like hold my queer, my trans fam, like closer in pride. And I like check in on, like, I'm always checking in on us like throughout the year, but like, I do it a little bit more because sometimes it could actually be triggering for a lot of people. You know what I mean? Um, pride is not always like just a bunch of uh, love and joy. And sometimes a lot of us just like kind of check out, especially on spaces online, like Twitter and shit, because then people be tweeting and shit like you know black trans lives matter and shit but then you gonna go and say some transphobic ass shit later and it's like you know what like and it just it, it, it goes back to what we were talking about earlier it's tiring it's exhausting and it becomes a cycle of just like fuck when can i live you know like you when can I did you see that thread that someone posted right when they were like all right um like there were like corporations that were posting like posting shit in support of pride but they were like all right ask this corporation if they like um support like surgery yep. for trans folks did you see that i can't remember who the person's yep. name was right but like that's like what it is and i think that we live in a time especially with social media where it's so easy to be pandered to fam it's so easy for folks to co-op movements and commodify movements right um and i can only imagine that that shit how that shit functions during pride right like motherfuckers just putting i was at a store today and i like seeing somebody putting up a rainbow flag i'm like nigga like <laughs> what did like it's just it just makes mm -hmm. it to where like these like very like small actions can be 
like people can capitalize off of them. Yeah, I even saw SFPD post a tweet like, "Oh, these are our SF where PD where you feel me black trans women is being killed." You feel me all the time. Right. What are you motherfuckers doing about that? But they have you know, like, come on, a pride police car. Like, what the fuck is that? Yo, I saw that shit. That (laughs) hold on, wait, wait, what? (laughs) What? Yo, Delincey, you gotta see that shit. You gotta see. I might have it on Twitter. I'll be trying to be off Twitter lately, my nigga, because that shit is just. It's toxic. Yeah, it's a lot. Yeah. Could you imagine the, uh, something that's designed to oppress folks and not protect, not protect and serve? Queer think about folks. the revolutionary history <laughs> of Pride too, like, right? What? And then the police want to put Pride on. That's their- the little de- like so like. And I was, we talked about it a little bit yesterday, right? Like when I sent you the outline, like, like what does it feel like to be pandered to, in in the midst of all this? Like something that was supposed to be revolutionary in a sense, right? Motherfuckers. Co-opted and damn near pandering to you and using it as a means for capital fucking gain or as a means to like sweep under the rug the shit that they're doing. It's just honestly so aggravating. Like it just makes me. It, it, um, Audrey Lord has an essay about anger um, and the the uses of anger, um, and I think it's really it's short. I think it's really useful for people to read. You could Google it and you could find it like for free online. Um, but. Uh, it's just, it's shitty. It's shitty, Delancey. Like, it's shitty. It's just, like, it really fucking makes me mad because, like, literally, like, it's just, there's so many people out here dying, right? And we're just talking about the United States, but in Brazil, for example, the amount of trans women that are killed every day, right? The amount of black people that are killed by the police every fucking day, like, is even more ridiculous than here in many ways, right? Um, In terms of, like, the the numeric, like, the numbers, right? Mm -hmm. Um, The absolute number, um... And it's just like it's just sad. It's just so fucking. It's it's angry. Like that's really the only word I have for you. Is it, it pisses me the fuck off. And so I just usually don't even engage in those ways. You know what I mean? I'm just like, let me just not look at this right now, and let me not think about this. For example, while I'm on the podcast, it's important to talk about HRC, the Human Rights Campaign. A lot of people, they're the one that have like the blue and yellow um, equal sign logo. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people think I used to have a bumper sticker on my car because I was like, yeah, gay marriage, and da, 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 before like I realized like a lot of the fuck shit around all of this um but that is run by a bunch of white very conservative um cis gay men mostly and then they'll bring in someone of color or whatever but they're an organization that has horrible practices um and they are not very supportive of trans women for example um and so like they're an organization that people donate to and one of the one of the dudes um from the new queer eye the one with like the long hair and the beard jonathan something he tweeted something about like happy pride month donate to hrc and it's like no fuck that you know what i mean so a lot of my friends like queer queer leftist friends are like no don't Donate directly to black trans folks, like donate directly to this organization, right? Donate directly to some of the people, some of these legends who are living, right? And actually are having trouble living, right? Because the thing is, what ends up happening is in trying to be an ally, right? Or in trying to be somebody good, you like Google some shit or you ask somebody who doesn't know what they're talking about. And they're like, yeah, we'll donate to HRC or yeah, donate to fucking, um, like for example, the NAACP. While a local chapter, for example, can be doing some shit, uh, the NAACP can be doing some shit. As a national organization, what has the NAACP done for the three of us niggas? Like currently, right? I'm not, I don't want to erase the don't legacy. Don't get me started on the NAACP. But exactly, right? So it's like, you wouldn't say, you wouldn't say as a black person, donate money to the NAACP like no the fuck you know what I mean you wouldn't say as a Haitian donate money to the Red Cross fuck that shit you know what I mean Red Cross stole from fucking Haiti you know what I mean? so let's not do that so as you can see I'm getting angry because it's just like that's what happens it's what happens all month and so it's just like 
nigga. You know what I mean? Um, the only good thing is for not good. The only thing that through which some of us queer folk can exploit, right, is the fact that during Pride Month you might get more speaking engagements or you can get some writing engagements. You know what I mean? So it's like if you go if you go exploit me, then fucking write me my check. You know what I mean? Um, and that doesn't make it better, right? But that at least means I can pay my fucking rent. You know? Right. <sighs> yeah, that should make me mad. Capitalism. NAACP, whole bunch of fuck shit. But and then you got the shit like if you we have a, it's a whole nother thing. But then you got like the pinkwashing of Israel and Palestine, and so then you try to have like Israel branded as this like queer friendly place, right? Um, while Israel is doing horrible ass shit, not only to queer Palestinians but to Palestinians generally, right? It's like man, fuck all this shit, like globally, like it, it just. It's like so so frustrating in so many ways. Yeah. Shit, fam. Thank you. Dropped so much fucking gems on this episode. Like, if you listen to this right now, rewind. Start it from the beginning and listen to this shit again because there's <laughs> hell fucking. This is gems. one of the few episodes where I re- where I feel like we recorded with. This could be for better or for worse with our listener in mind. Um, but I I hope. I mean, we're forty. Four forty-five episodes in, whatever right now. you want to call it. I hope niggas realize that like hella black truly is like unfiltered, um, unscripted, unscripted, black straight content. to the point, radical black content, open discussions and like. And before we get to this um exclusive content, you know where really you can only hear it if it's if it's Patreon. I want like I feel like I don't know how much you listen to our episodes. I know you support our shit and you listen to some of it, but like there's been a lot of episodes I don't know that you've heard. Like we're we um we talk about you a lot, fam, and like I'm just I'm super grateful that we finally got to make this happen, and I want all the listeners that get to hear this kind of shit, just know that I love and appreciate you. Um, I'm super proud and happy for all the shit that you got going. I'm super grateful for the role that you played in my life. I think that as a cishead man, right, with like the bar being the floor, I get a lot of like kudos for just being decent, and um, I feel like the work. And the labor and the time that you've put into me has helped me going above and beyond the standard for cishead for cishead men. And I'm just I'm super grateful for you, fam, for real. Damn, thank you, Delancey. That I'm means just, a lot. I appreciate y'all all y'all both. Cause yeah, thank you. We appreciate you for sure. Yeah, so for real, bro. And you wanna uh, plug your socials for people who might not be familiar with your work. Oh, yes. Um, so as people uh, may or may not know, um, I'm Anthony James Williams. I go by the handle on Twitter, Anthonese, A-N-T-H-O-K-N-E-E-S. Um, uh, my Instagram is private, so don't be trying to follow me there. People do that all the time. My Twitter so public. I'm like, get the fuck off my Instagram. Like, get off. You're not um, missing shit. It's just pictures of it's memes. Exactly. It's memes. It's memes and Apple. It's memes and Apple. Y'all not missing shit for real. Like for real, and I'll post like a selfie that I'll then post on Twitter anyway. So y'all, you know, y'all go get it on Twitter. Blake, follow me. Like, so come on Twitter. Um, then I got a Patreon that is also Anthony's. If you search, you will find me. Um, and then my website, if you want to hire me, if you just want to learn more about my work, it's antwilliams.com. Um, A N T W I L L I A M S dot com. Um, which is wild. I have a website now. I'm like, oh shit. Boozy for real. What the fuck? Talented you need as like a PhD student. Um, Jesus, what the fuck is going on, Anthony? Yeah, go visit it. It's cute. You'll be you like, go oh, visit okay. it. <laughs> nah, Shit. But that's it. Yeah, this is amazing. Uh, this is the goat for those that don't know. 
the greatest if of all you, time. Drop some money, Anthony's um, give money to Hella Black, and then after you give money to Hella Black, I think almost everything, like my Cash App, my Venmo, most of it is uh, Anthony's, PayPal.com slash Anthony's. Um, I'm a bad bitch who uh, uh, goes by Anthony's, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. That's it. So pay this nigga Anthony's pay us the too, story. Yeah, pay us too for sure. But if you want to really listen to this extended episode, y'all motherfuckers really got a good ass episode for a long ass time. Is this our longest episode? This is the longest episode. It <laughs> makes sense. Because yes, got, this will happen when real man. niggas link up. This <laughs> is what happens, nigga. This is like the Avengers, nigga. R N L U. Real <laughs> niggas link up. This is what right happens now. when real niggas <laughs> link up. R N L U. That might be the fucking title of this episode. That should be the title, honestly. Real niggas link up. Featuring Anthony's. <laughs> I'm so happy this finally happened. Like, <laughs> just grateful, my nigga. On so, a Friday night. On a Friday, <laughs> I would <laughs> rather be doing anything else. <laughs> but after this, I hope I can get some garlic noodles. I gave y'all this time. I didn't think you would pick it, but like, nigga, you did. So I, I appreciate you. You know. And how many times have we gone? Like, that's like I when you said these niggas don't really want me on the podcast. I felt that. I'm like, nigga, <laughs> we hit this nigga so much. Like, I will hit this nigga at, at like random times of the day. Like, hey, nigga, what you doing this weekend? But like, that's. <laughs> I think that's like yeah. that's literally how like our lives function because like that's how yeah. me and Blake record. It's literally just like, hey, bro, you free? Or right, yeah, you trying to record? All right, bet share the notes with me. You feel and me? I and think like really us trying to like adapt, that. like step outside of that to fucking um to accommodate guests yeah. is something like we're we're practicing, you know? Because we have to realize like not everyone like me and this nigga are super close. We live close to each other. There's like just a bunch of factors that we don't consider for our guests, right? That's why I will hit you at. Eight o'clock on a Tuesday morning, like, hey, nigga, what you doing today? <laughs> yeah, I put this shit in my <laughs> really calendar. The thing is, like, my schedule doesn't allow that, but also, like, I'm somebody who likes to plan shit. Even uh, if it's like, gives me anxiety. you know, like three hours beforehand, where you're like, can you do this in three hours? I'm like, okay, cool. But if you ask me, oh, I'm outside, like, I come out, I'd be like, nah, I'm, I'm in bed. Like, the fuck, <laughs> like, get, go away. Nah, um, I respect so, that though. That's like you know, that sounds like boundaries. Yeah, I'm about to say that's like that like sounds like a very important boundary. Nigga. I think you're teaching us something else that we need to start incorporating in our life is boundaries. Yeah, like yeah. Dude, when I hit you at eight o'clock in the morning, don't feel like you gotta respond to me, my nigga. <laughs> oh no, if I'm up, I'm gonna respond. I just might there, not man. be able to do it. But we did it, so it doesn't even matter. We got it, we got it recorded. It's yeah. it's here. It's here. Do so you, if you wanna you, tap in yeah. you got more this. time in? Yeah, I got you. Okay, All yeah, right. go ahead, B. So if you wanna tap into this next part of the episode, <laughs> Tap in with our Patreon, patreon.com slash hellblackpod. It is not a donation. You also get access to extended episodes that are extended and exclusive to Patreon. So tap the fuck in with our Patron, our Patron, patreon.com slash hellblackpod. Tap in with us for this extended episode.